Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou and tonight I'm here with... Eno Safo. Coming up over the next 90 minutes, after days of disagreements, minority members in parliament have begun going for meetings to deliberate on the very budget they rejected. Tonight we ask why the chaos is ending in this U-turn. Also coming up, Media General's Captain Smart arrested over what the police say is unsavory comments he made which hinge on peace and security. And later on Eyewitness News, if you're a user of commercial buses known as Trotro and taxis, you may need to start considering alternative means of transport from Monday as union drivers announce a sit-down strike over the increase in prices or cost of fuel. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, ahead of tomorrow's Farmers Day celebrations in Cape Coast, the General Agricultural Workers Union GAO charges government to institute effective measures to end fertilizer smuggling. That's in some 50 minutes with Bobby Osei of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations. Around the globe, we're on City Newsroom. Dot com is an interactive show so you can send us your message on whatsapp zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six send tweets using the hashtag city newsroom tweet at umaru sanda or at city nine seven three if you're knowing a crime wondering how to listen to city or if you're leaving a crime want to know how you're going to listen to city I'll tell you how you can do that in whatever community you're going to. So if you're in the Upper West Region or you're going to the Upper West Region, please tune to Tumpani Radio 88.5 in Nadoli. If you are in the Upper East Region or headed there, tune to Word FM on 88.3 FM in Zuarungu. In the Northern Region, you can listen to Eyewitness News on North Star Radio 92.1 in Tamale. In the Northeast Region, we are on Nobia FM 98.1 FM in Nalerugu. In the western region, this will be Beach FM 105.5 in Takoradi. And in the Ashanti region, Focus 94.3 on the campus of the KNUST is bringing you Eyewitness News live. In the Volta region, we are on Sela Radio 97.1 in Dabala and Holy FM 98.5 in Aplau. So, send us your reactions to the stories as we have them here on 97.3. CTFM Eno has our first story. The minority in parliament is insisting that no decision has been taken yet on the motion for the House to rescind its approval of the 2022 budget statement and economic policy of government. On Wednesday, the ruling of the first Deputy Speaker, Joe Oseosu, on the motion from the minority to set aside the approval of the 2022 budget statement by the majority resulted in chaos on the floor of Parliament. Over the past week, members of the House have been up in arms over the approval of the 2022 budget statement 
statement, Member of Parliament for Boko Central, Mahama Yariga, justified the position of the minority at a press briefing in Parliament. One of the very contentious issues over which some of us were even on television last night and there was still no agreement was whether or not a motion had been moved by the Honorable Minority Leader, Honorable Haruna Idrisu, and seconded by my good self, whether or not such a motion was moved, if you recall. And members of the majority group side, in their various media engagements, sought to create an impression that the speaker had not accepted that a motion had been moved. We're quietly waiting for the votes and proceedings of yesterday to be reported today so that we'll see what it says about events in the House yesterday. And fortunately, we have the votes and proceedings for yesterday, which is before us. And if you go to page 9 of the votes and proceedings, it records that when it came to the business of motions, that there was a motion, and the motion reads that this Honorable House rescinds the decision it took on the budget statement and economic policy of the government for the year ending 31st December 2022 on Tuesday 30th November 2021. Then the votes and proceedings reports that motion moved by the Honorable Minority Leader, Mr. Haruna Idrisu, and seconded by the Honorable Member for Boku Central, Mr. Mahama Ayariga. Question proposed, debate arising, debate concluded. So it is clear from the votes and proceedings of yesterday that the motion was moved, that it was seconded, that the question was proposed by the Speaker, that there was a debate, and that the debate was concluded. Then it now reports that the Honorable First Deputy Speaker sought to give a ruling which was interrupted following an uproar in the chamber. So it then reports that he sought to give a ruling. So that means that he didn't give a ruling. He sought to give a ruling. And then there was uh, an uproar and that interrupted the process. And then he suspended sitting at 2 25 p.m. Sitting resumed at 4.45 p.m. And then the second deputy speaker took the chair and then he adjourned sittings for the day. So uh, we just want you to pay attention to the votes and proceedings reporting the events of yesterday and then what it says. So the implication of this is that the motion moved by Honorable Haruna Idrisu and seconded by my good self is still pending and what is left is a vote to be put to the House, I mean the question to be put to the House for a vote to be taken and then we will vote on the matter. If the Speaker decides that he wants to rule on it, as you can see he hasn't ruled on it yet. He sought to but you know it was arrested and then he uh, he, he he left uh, there was a suspension of sitting so basically that is what it is we just want to draw attention to this fact because we know that this weekend on saturday i mean on all the media 
outlets, there will be discussions, and then the question will be whether or not a motion was moved, and whether or not a ruling was given by Mr. Speaker, and whether or not it should be a ruling or the issue should be a vote that uh, should, should end the process. So we just want to clarify this before you disperse. Thank you. Now, we've stated emphatically that according to our standing orders, the Speaker could have stopped the motion from being moved. But once he allowed the motion to be moved, and then he allowed it to be seconded, then he allowed debate to take place, the logical conclusion is that he puts it to a vote. We can't move a motion and then second it, debate it, and then the Speaker will give a ruling. That's not how we take decisions. Decisions are taken by a uh, question being put to the MPs and the MPs. We heard MP for Boko Central, Mahama Yariga. Let's go on the phone lines and speak to him uh, for more on what has been happening in Parliament. You're welcome to Eyewitness News. We are told today your house sat for 4 minutes 37 seconds. Is that true? Yes, yes. Why? Um, I think leaders, leaders had a meeting and then decided that uh, given the circumstances, it would be good to... Uh, defer all matters to next week. You mean the standoff was so serious that uh, you couldn't just sit in the chamber and face each other and do business today? So you, you've had to just come and announce an adjournment, and that's what the second deputy did, we are told. Yeah, we, we sat in the chambers, we faced each other, and then we adjourned. For four minutes? Yeah, I mean, that's because there was a decision by the the leaders after their meeting, they communicated to us that um, they had decided that we should adjourn to next week. I I, I think basically um, that is what happened. I mean, for very strategic reasons, but I I, I don't have a mandate to to disclose um, any reason. But we're told that uh, we will adjourn to next week. Tuesday, and then we adjourn to Tuesday. So the house will not sit tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow is a holiday. Yeah, uh, tomorrow is a holiday. Ordinarily, you sit on Fridays, but tomorrow is a holiday. So your next sitting will be on on, on Tuesday. Um, yeah. Is there any reason Joe Weiss was not in the seat and it was his deputy who sat um, to chair affairs today and yesterday? Oh, no, I don't think there's any reason. Maybe he decided that given that there was really nothing to do, he didn't want to um, to, to sit, so second deputy should sit. I don't know of any reason. I mean, I'm not aware of any reason. I okay. can't imagine any reason. I'm asking this because his last act yesterday was to rule against your application, and there was chaos and uproar subsequent to that. He had had to adjourn the house, and that was the last time we saw him in the chair. You have maintained that that rescission request or, or motion that you, you put forth still holds even though he's sitting as a speaker has has thrown it away why should we still believe that there's a motion before the house when the speaker has already thrown that away because the votes and proceedings of yesterday as reported today uh, states clearly that a motion was moved seconded um, 
was debated. And so under our standing orders, if all that happened, um, you have to end it with a vote. Uh, I don't know any other way of uh, ending it unless the motion was withdrawn. And the motion was not withdrawn. So um, it could not have ended with a ruling. I mean, a ruling, a ruling is just clearly out of order. So uh, I think that we have rules and we all know the rules. So the officials who are supposed to be responsible for reporting what happened yesterday reported it today. And that was what we drew the attention of the press call that, look, this is what has been reported. I mean, there's been some dispute as to whether a motion was was moved or he was uh, seeking an explanation as to whether or not a motion should be moved or uh, not moved and, and gave a ruling in that respect. That's what is claimed by people who have been defending the first deputy speaker, but those who are officially responsible for recording what happened in the house, recorded it and reported it today and said that a motion was moved, it was seconded, it was debated, and then instead of putting it to a vote, they report that the speaker sought to give a ruling. And it was our reaction to the ruling that you know, led to the suspension of certain. What means what that means if you should go by your vote and proceedings, it means that the motion is still hanging. Exactly. So the motion is still hanging. Uh he's supposed to put the question and then have the vote taken. That's that's what it means. And this would have been uh, a voice vote. It would have been a voice vote after which anybody could have called for headcount or a division. I see. So your assumption is that on Mon on Tuesday when you meet, the process would continue, the uncompleted process. That is the position that our leader, Honorable Harun Idrisu, has taken of the matter. And even when we were adjourning yesterday, uh, at the time when the House was being chaired by the second deputy speaker, he indicated very clearly before he seconded the motion for adjournment that so far as he is concerned, that motion is still hanging, and uh, he's waiting for the first deputy speaker, when he assumes the seat, to put the question. I see. Now, what is the state of the 2020 budget? Or what was the status of the 2022 budget? You rejected it on Friday. Your house endorsed it yesterday or approved it um, two days ago. From your position as minority, do you still think we have no budget or you have not agreed that we have a budget based on what happened on Tuesday? The, the, the situation in terms of the proceedings of Parliament is that even if somebody does something that is wrong, you have to take steps to set aside the wrongdoing. So the minority takes a position that the process by which they purported to set aside the decision of uh, the House on Friday uh, is wrong. And so what they did on Tuesday is a nullity. But you will have to go through a process 
to set aside the nullity. And it is that process of setting aside the nullity that the minority initiated yesterday, which should have culminated in a vote on the matter. And again, the majority group sought to truncate it by avoiding the vote for fear that they would have lost that vote because at that time they were shot by one or two people. So they read, you know, the mood in the house, the numbers in the house. And I think that the first deputy speaker tactically uh, did not want to put the question because he knew that uh, a head count would have exposed the majority group as unable to defeat the motion that had been debated. So he, you know, sought a tactical way out of it and purported that uh, he was given a ruling. So we have initiated the process of setting aside what we believe is a nullity, which is the steps that they took on uh, uh, Tuesday. So that is the state of affairs. Given that we are in the process of setting it aside, um, you know, uh, our reading is that, you know, the, the, the process, you know, will have to be concluded for us to be able to set it aside. Okay. Is that why you decided to go and sit in the committees to deliberate on the same budget that you rejected? I'm not aware of any uh, committee sittings. Um, I didn't see uh, advertisements of committee sittings on the order paper. You know that committee sittings have to be advertised on the order paper. Uh, I didn't advert my mind to um, committee sittings being advertised on the order paper. So if there were committee sittings today, I'm not aware, and I did not participate in any committee uh, sittings. But uh, sometimes uh, it is better to go and find out exactly what the committee is sitting to, to, to deliberate on so that if you have an objection, you can object to what the committee is doing and have that recorded so that when the report is brought back to plenary, it will contain the fact that you showed up at the meeting and objected to what was happening at the meeting and uh, even voted against what was happening uh, at the meeting or proposals for decisions at the meeting uh, and have also fought equally on the floor of the house. Uh, I'm presuming that uh, these are all options that are available to the ranking members leading our side on all those committees, if indeed they met. But I'm not you know, personally aware of any particular committee. And if you have a copy of the order paper there, you will have to check and see whether they advertised uh, committees, sittings, and, and set as the agenda uh, that they were meeting to discuss, you know, sector budgets. Okay, so we do have um, an authority that 
the Committee for Transport at least sat today and it was to deliberate on the on the budget estimate. Th that is a report we have from the House. If and it I, don't, and, I, and it I, I don't know if that was advertised on the order paper, because to the best of my knowledge, the agreement was that there will be no deliberation in the House. And that is why, as you rightly reported, all that happened was for us to say the prayers, after which the um, the the speaker agenda house. So if the speaker agenda house and you remain in the building and you are on the frolic of your own, I mean that is for you to explain. But you rightly reported that there was really no activity beyond just saying the prayers and adjourning the house and watching everybody to go home. Okay, so I'm so I'm, I'm looking remain, at, I'm looking at your yes. official documents, Thursday, second December twenty twenty one, nine AM, committee room ten West. That's a West Wing, tenth floor job six hundred agenda to consider the annual budget estimate for the ending for the um, budget and for the year ending 31st december 2022 of the following ministry of railway development ministry of roads and highways ministry of transport this under the committee on roads and transport there's a committee on food and agriculture as well as cocoa affairs same issue uh, dealing with the um, budget estimates we have a committee on constitutional legal and parliamentary affairs still dealing with annual budget estimates of the office of the attorney general and the Ministry of Justice, and then we have the Committee on Constitutional, Legal, and Parliamentary Affairs, uh, Wednesday, 8th November, okay, that, the 8th December, that, that, would, that would be next week, and there's one for Tuesday, 7th December, that's next week. And uh, But we have two committees for today, a Committee on Food and Agriculture for Thursday, that's today, and a Committee for Roads and Transport today, and we are told that these committees sat, and uh, this is from your official records. Well, I mean, that is whether it was advertised, Yes, that, I'm reading from the advertisement. What, what was advertised? Yes. yes. So my that's why I asked you to check whether it was advertised. Yes, it was advertised. So yeah. that's what I'm just exactly. reading for you. Mm -hmm. But then the, the understanding today was not to transact business and that we're only going to meet the requirements of our rules, which is that we must sit. So that was why all we did was to say prayers and then to disperse. If any committee met, I believe that... Uh, we will get the reports, and you will get to know what the minority, if they attended, what they attended and did at the committee, whether they were attending to object to the agenda and to vote against anything that took place there, or they 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 participated to approve, you know, what was presented as the sector budgets for the, those sectors. I, I was not there, so I cannot tell exactly what they did. I'm actually learning from you that they actually met, because all I know is that we're not to transact business. And so we simply said prayers and we adjourned. I see. Um, how about the, the boycott of the sitting on Tuesday, which you did? There are a lot of people who think that you should have been in that house. One of them is your constituent... Um, your uncle, former Attorney General, former Special Prosecutor Martin Amido, he has issued a long statement and it is quoted on several public platforms which he says, Minority caucus betrayed Ghanaians again, joined Akufado's Kabuki dance. Uh, that's Martin Amido being uh, quoted there. And he says in not so many words that if you had sat in that committee, if you had sat in the house, you had the numbers to oppose and because of your rules if there was a tie that motion would be 
considered rejected your budget rejection would have been upheld if you had showed up with your 137 numbers and that this was a deliberate betrayal of Ghanaians. W what do you say to critics, including uh, the former special prosecutor who says that? Well, I mean, he is not part of us, and so he doesn't understand the tactical maneuvering that takes place in the House. I'm sure he sits out there and he sees what happens after they happen. He doesn't understand what informed them. Yesterday, we were in the House. We moved the motion. Did the Speaker allow us to vote on the motion so that the numbers would determine the outcome? Did he, ha did he allow that to happen? I'm asking you, you watch. Did he allow the motion to be voted on? Well, it didn't end, so... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what is the guarantee that if we had gone there on Tuesday and joined him, that he would have made our numbers to count. You see, so that whole issue of the conduct of the first deputy speaker weighed heavily on our minds when we thought through our strategy, whether we should go in or not go in. How would he conduct himself? Will he allow our numbers to count? Even yesterday, when we decided that let's go in, and we went in, Again, you can see that our fears were confirmed, that he took steps to prevent our numbers from counting, which is to prevent a vote which would then allow our numbers to determine the outcome. So he should credit us with some appreciation of the tactical issues in the House and not just assume that, you know, anybody... Is, is, is out there to, to do uh, uh, deals or, 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 or con connive with, with, with others to do things. I mean, we know what we're about. And the events of yesterday bear us out that even though we have the numbers under you know, the chair uh, as we have him now, uh, our numbers will be made not to count. And so that was a key issue for us on Tuesday. If we go in there, our numbers will be used to justify a quorum, and yet those numbers will not be allowed to count because tactically they may avoid putting uh, issues to a vote where our numbers will count. That was the issue. And we were born out yesterday. Very well. Uh, let's leave it here for now. Thank you so much. That's Boku Central Member of Parliament, uh, Mahama Ayariga. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll be back with more. Don't worry. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM Broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Let me bring some of the reactions you've been sending through on our Twitter platform. Uh, Mahama Bahaf Kojo from SUM says, um, Oil money, gold money, cocoa money, bauxite money, forestry money, money from other natural resources, money from already existing taxes, 
all these monies couldn't sustain this country. What will he levy? Only what will he levy do to this country? Um, I can't read that part of the message you you sent. Proverbia Twitter says, with a speaker who votes, what can one thirty-seven over ten? Uh, that's in reference to why the minority did not show up. Well, I mean, says, minority is fighting a concern that is totally needless and quietly rhetoric. They want everything in their constituencies to be fixed in the twinkle of an eye. How can we develop the nation if the tax net is not widened? Baba Muntamale says, these so-called media personalities like uh, Captain Smart are becoming too... Um, I can't read that part. I'm not sure it even makes sense. He says, however, the decision by the police to arrest him is a step in the right direction. Uh, this one is Nana Sewa Broni from Assume says, release Captain Smart and rather caution the half-big politicians to stop taking the good people of Ghana for granted. The anger of the majority of Ghanaians is that they speak and can explode should things continue in its downward trend. Fusini Salifu in Kaswa Zango says, how long will minority in parliament Continue to fight over this budget. It is passed and will never be reversed. So they should come together to support the government for its implementation. Kojo Mensah says, let's be sincere. The way prices of fuel are going up under the leadership of President Akufado and Dr. Baumia led MPP, I will not be surprised by the end of the year, um, that's by the end of 2024, we will be buying a gallon of fuel for 50 Ghana cities. As for the e-levy, we should all reject it. Uh, this one from Okro Yeboa from Bremen Benin in the central region. He says, an ordinary Ghanaian doesn't care whether the budget was passed illegally or what. What ordinary Ghanaians care about is whether he was in Doomso and now he is enjoying electricity. He was paying school fees, but now he has free SHS. Prince Henry Kofredia says, I support the driver unions for their intended strike. Buying fuel in Ghana under the leadership of Nana and Baumia. Uh, it's like buying cocaine, high cost of fuel, making Ghanaians more poorer. Alex Kofi Yareni says, I would suggest that the majority adopts the principle of sincerity and stops the kangaroo tactics to seeing that they accomplish what they wish. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Now, let's return to this same issue of the budget. Uh, we are told that there's a bipartisan committee that has been set up to liaise with the Ministry of Finance to find um some common grounds uh, for a possibility of adopting the budget in the house uh, let's hear from the leadership of the house frank anodompre is majority chief whip in parliament honorable uh, frank anodompre you're welcome to eyewitness news can you tell us more on this uh, committee if indeed there was there is one a bipartisan committee uh, to liaise with the ministry of finance okay so um this is what it is from um the friday um, We've been traveling this path uh, back and forth, and uh, what happened, particularly yesterday, um, it became necessary that we put together this team from both sides. So we all put together a ten-member com, a twenty-member committee, ten from each side, and we are lucky to have very experienced legislators like Donabu Jogate, Donabu Tamboche on our side. Uh, Honorable Kennedy, Akumprekon, Katie Hamon, Patrick Buama, my humble self, and the other leadership. Then on the other side, I, I've seen Ahmed uh, Muntaka, uh, Roxon, 
and uh, and a couple more. I mean, the intention is clear. Uh, since yesterday, we've all been wor- very worried, extremely worried, and we felt that there was a need to get this. Uh, even though we have select committee of parliament uh, backed by our standing orders to deliver on some deliverables, we thought that if we put this committee together, uh, it will help, first of all, to de-escalate the tension. And then going forward, uh, because of the, the, the violence, our near-violence and tense movement that we have experienced, we don't want it to degenerate. So at any time, T, this group would help assist to complement the efforts of leadership. And so far, so good. We are also having uh, some reach out to the finance ministry uh, to meet the the request put out by the Ghanaian people, civil society groups, inclusive of our minority group. Uh, of course, in Parliament. And it's been good. Uh, we've met twice. We are making progress. And to our intent and purposes, I think it is good. We intend to hold on and to stick together, bond and band, all in the interest of ensuring that um, eventually we can we can consider the estimates, we can consider um, and eventually pass the appropriation. So that is more or less the TOR for for this committee. And uh, so far, as I indicated, it's going well. I see. So you are meeting with the Ministry of Finance. Um, So you've already done your own intra-meeting, and now you're doing an inter-meeting with the Ministry of Finance or the Minister for Finance? Well, we have our own way of having... We have a relationship with the Minister, so... um, we meet among ourselves, our colleagues on the other side also meet uh, other stakeholders in, in, in the affairs of the minority caucus, as well as uh, those of us in the majority. So that is what it is. Eventually, we want to have a smooth passage of the, of the appropriation. And we know, and as you also know, um, after the budget and the policy document, the economic policy document, it goes through some more cycle before we get to the appropriation. And because of what we've seen in, in, in the few days, we want to have layers of events and layers of tense movement. It is the reason why we put this group together. And we intend, as I indicated, we intend to keep it for it to complement leadership's uh, effort to ultimately ensure the passage of that preparation. That is what it is. But uh, before you, you go out to negotiate, you should have at least internally come to a common ground. Currently, as we speak, there's division between your side and the other side as to whether the budget has been approved or rejected. Um, how do you go to negotiate with a third party when internally... You guys are not even, you know, um, on the same terms on what exactly the status of the budget is. You think it has been approved. They think no, it has been rejected. No. And yet you're going to meet with the minister so that you well, discuss which document. Well, I told your producer that that, that matter is with, with, between the two leadership. 
we have a common ground on that matter. So the producer, when he's called me, I had indicated specifically that that matter should be distinguished out. But because you asked uh, for the records and for listenership, I need to say that we have some understanding between the two leadership on that matter. All right, that, that, that's fair enough. Um, how many days is this your committee going to sit for before you report to the House and, and move forward? Well, we, we, it is a work in progress. And as I mentioned, um, the ultimate is the passage of, of the appropriation. So as long as we are still working towards the passage of the appropriation, this committee will stay in place until leadership finds that um, you know, necessary to, as it were, dissolve this group. Very well. Uh, thank you. We'll keep an eye on your the work of your committee and the work of your house generally and uh, report appropriately to our, our audience. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. Thank you. That's Honorable Frank Anodompre. He's Member of Parliament and Majority Chief Whip. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We'll be back with more. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News. Let's do some more stories now. President Akufuado says the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic has taught African countries the importance of strengthening unity and solidarity. According to him, Africa will never be the victim of vaccine politics again as a National Vaccine Institute is set to be established to oversee the production of vaccines. Speaking at the 45th Annual Legislative Conference at the National Black Caucus of State Legislators in Atlanta, Georgia, President Akufuado said although the pandemic affected many economies, Ghana put in place a medium-term response strategy to deal with the situation. In the 60 or so years since African countries attained independence, it is true that we have not always lived up to the early promise of our forebears. Political instability and poor management of our economies have meant that Africa has been described as the scar on the conscience of the world, to borrow the words of a one-time British Prime Minister. Many of Africa's young people have resorted to desperate means to escape from the continent to find a better future for themselves elsewhere. This has been exacerbated even further by the onset of the pandemic of COVID-19 and its ravages, which have affected every country on the planet. Yes, we in Africa have mercifully not witnessed the high infection rates and death tolls that some gleefully predicted for us, but which other countries in the developed parts of the world have suffered. We have not been spared the harsh economic consequences wrought by the pandemic. Disruptions in global supply chains, slowdown in global investments, significant job losses for businesses big and small, unprecedented volatility of stock markets, tighter global financing conditions, decline in tourism resulting from border closure, and a sharp decline in remittances are but few of the examples of the impact of COVID-19. The lessons are clear. We all fell together and looked into the abyss together. We've all gone down together. We should all rise together. 
in particular for us in Africa, it has given us a good sense of how important it is to strengthen our unity and solidarity. It has intensified in us the motivation, if any was needed, to be self-reliant. That is where we have decided never again to be victims of global vaccine politics or vaccine nationalism. By establishing a national vaccine institute spearheaded by Ghanaian scientists of world repute to oversee the domestic production of vaccines across a broad range of diseases, including COVID-19. President Okufuadu also said a homeland return bill is being worked on to provide the much-needed regulatory and practical changes to improve the requirement of acquisition of Ghanaian citizenship and permanent residence by Africans in the diaspora. The year of return held in 2019 has become the pivot around which engagements with the diaspora and African family and Ghana revolved. The follow-up project, Beyond the Return, seeks now to create opportunities across several sectors of the economy and provide a platform for sustained dialogue amongst people of African descent. Currently, we're creating platforms for adoption of legal frameworks in key sectors to drive diaspora engagement. This has culminated in the Homeland Return Bill on which we're currently working. The Homeland Return Bill recognizes Ghana's moral and spiritual obligation as an African nation to facilitate the return of diaspora Africans to Ghana and the motherland and to initiate the legal and regulatory processes for integrating them into Ghanaian society. When enacted, the law will provide the much-needed regulatory and practical changes to improve the requirements for the acquisition of Ghanaian citizenship and permanent residence by diasporan Africans. You heard President Kufu Ado. Now, management of the Konfanochi Teaching Hospital says it will cooperate with the Commission of Human Rights and Administrative Justice as it investigates allegations of misuse of COVID-19 funds at the facility. An accounts officer with the hospital, Awini Atrebia, has petitioned charge to investigate the chief executive officer and the medical director for allegedly misapplying COVID-19 funds. And we'll be going to that story. Uh, please hold it. Uh, let's go, though, to the... Another story that we headline for you is the arrest of Captain Smart of Onya FM and Onya TV, uh, which is part of the Media General Group. The National Media Commission has taken issue with the conduct of the journalist Captain Smart, known as Blessed God's Brain Smart. Uh, let's speak to George Sapon, he's Executive Secretary of the National Media Commission. Mr. Sapon, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. A lot of the times when NMC uh, speaks, it has to do with um, how media people are practicing. And when media people are affected or attacked, you usually are the people who would come up and defend the media. In this particular case of Captain Smart, what is the position of the National Media Commission? Hello, sir. Hello. Yeah, Mr. Zabon, I can hear you now. Okay. First of all, let us separate the two events. We issued our statement completely oblivious of the police action. So our statement has nothing to do with the police action. So talk to us about your statement. Was it a statement or a letter you wrote to the to the management Wait, of Media General? Okay, there's, a, there's an accompanying statement as well, but be that as it may, as we have significant concerns, and that is what we stated in that letter, that Unia FM needs to set up. 
I think there is a lot of leadership in the institution and they better look at it because it can have implications. Okay, so you wrote to the management informing them or advising them or warning them about um, activities of their host? Management has responsibility for everything that happens in that institution. And I think that for once, uh, we need also to be very direct on this. I mean, sisters, it's very worrisome that a, a, an institution like Onya FM that has some of our most brilliant people, I mean, Beatrice Ajiman, Jifa Bampo, uh, Francis Doku, and personalities like that, cannot also be the radio station that perpetrates this kind of content. And in fact, Captain Smart himself is capable of very good broadcasting. So if you see what is going on, it's clear that somebody at the top, somebody in management, is just promoting the simple and straightforward. And I think that we need to call out people on this. All right. Is it the case that someone reported his conduct to you or you took notice of it yourselves and decided to uh, write to management? There, there are a number of complaints on this. The latest is by uh, one Reverend Nate, which is uh, still on my table. But on the specific case of the call for instruction, the commission on its own motion took steps to address this one. What do you want management to do? Remove him from, from the air? Advise him? Give him refresher courses? What kind of remedies is NMC looking for? We are not interested, to be honest with you, in the specific journalist who is doing it. We are interested, as I have said, in the failure of leadership that is leading to this. What we want them to do is to institute the proper gatekeeping mechanism within the radio station that enables them to leverage the good journalism that they do that we know and to avoid this kind of thing. So you've written, this, this will maybe be the first communication or correspondence. What happens next if this continues? Even though he's been arrested by the police, uh, we do not know if he's going to be held for how long, and we do not know, of course, he may be back on the airwaves. But when does NMC have to step in again, and what would that stepping in be like? Again, let me separate the uh, arrest issues. We do not know much about it. We cannot. Our statement is not in connection with that at all. It is most likely that our, our uh, letter went there before uh, the proposed arrest. But all that we are calling on the management of the radio station is to be careful and to understand that going forward, all of us need to do whatever it takes to protect the society. Uh, in the past, let's, let's be very honest that in Chile, there is something we, we say uh, in Shehan, you know, as a certain deliberate acquiescence to iniquitous behavior when it is going on. I think that has to stop now. There are real threats on our society, and all of us need to work together to protect that. And that is the message we are sending to the leadership of the radio station. Very well. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. Sir. Thank you very much. That's uh, George Sapon, uh, Executive Secretary of the National Media Commission. The police on the other side issued a statement and says the Nima Divisional Police Command today, Thursday, December 2, 2021, arrested Blessed Godspring. 
Smart, popularly known as Captain Smart, the host of Onya TV and FM Morning Show in Accra. He was arrested following some unsavory pronouncements that hinge on peace and security. He has been cautioned on the offense of offensive conduct conducive to breaches of the peace as provided under Section 207 of the Criminal Act 1960, Act 29. He is presently in police custody assisting the investigations. And is signed by Julian Albin, DSP, who is the Public Affairs Unit Head at the Accra Regional Police Command. Let's return to the issues of Parliament. Uh, you heard a short while ago, um, Frank Anodompre, Member of Parliament, Majority Whip, speak to us about a bipartisan committee that has been set up, 10 members each, uh, to deal with the Ministry of Finance on the, on the thorny issue of the 2022 budget. Uh, Alhaji Mohamed Muntaka Mubarak is the opposite number for Anodompre. He's a Minority Chief Whip uh, in Parliament. He joins us now on a point of, of intervention on this particular issue. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What will be your point, sir? Yeah, thank you. Um, good evening to your listeners. I am worried about the pronouncement of the uh, majority of it. We never agreed anybody should talk to the public on anything that we are doing. Because right from the very beginning, even when the discussion started, this was the term. Nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. That was the terms. Nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. We have our team for the, those discussions. In fact, yesterday, after the unfortunate incident in the chamber, he, and I mean, not to put names, because he has now uh, brought his names in, the both sides agreed that, no, we needed to do everything humanly possible to de-escalate the violence, because we can disagree, we can scream, we can do every other thing with our procedure. But the last thing that we should try to, both sides should try to work on is to prevent the possibility of violence. And therefore, can we get a group that can talk about how we can prevent this from happening? And then we then agree that, okay, because Parliament has uh, erupted and people have left, let's look around those that we can find that can be, that can help. That was what we did. And even in that meeting, we all agreed that we're not going to talk until we are done with the nitty crisis. I don't know why he chose to be doing this. This is not the team. The team that leads our discussion about the budget is led by the minority leader. You have the, our deputy leader in there. We have a rep from the party. We have a rep from the office of the speaker. You have me and others. He is putting a wrong name out. We did not agree to do what he's doing. I tried calling him, but he, he, I couldn't get him through. And unfortunately, he put this over. But I needed to correct it because our focus, know those who were leading. If you put a different name, you'll be creating confusion within my purpose. And I didn't want that. That is why I needed to correct this. So, Please, I beg him. There's no need to have this, uh, what do you call it, rush to speak when you are not certain or we do, we do not agree on what we are you, you, you endanger the discussions that we are having. Because remember, Sandra, there's already so many speculations going around. We are trying to do this for our country, to find a middle ground. Please, when you try to mis put miscommunication and misinformation out there, you, feed, you fall into the hands of those who are just bent on giving people bad names. 
to begin saying that, oh, some people went for discussion, some people have been promised something, or some people have been given something. We just don't want that. So we are thanking our colleagues on the majority. Nobody, I've said it even today in leadership meeting. nobody should try to play smart. Nobody should try to play. If they are going to do that, you should remember, when they even came with this idea, can we meet and find a small group that will discuss how we can de-escalate violence? The first thing the minority leader said is we don't want to meet anybody. You should remember that. And I have to persuade the minority leader that, look, leader, if it is about how we can de-escalate the possibility of violence, I thank you. Violence is not good for both of us. What happened, it was we're then lucky that nobody got hurt and other things. We cannot wait for it to happen. So if there's a meeting to talk about how we can prevent violence happening in the chamber, I think it's a very good. So I beg you, reconsider that. They said, okay, if that's the case, the two leaders will mandate the whips to go and, and do that because that's already in our domain. Discipline and other things are in our domain. That is why he and I had to get some. And in my case, I look around and those that are found around were those that are sent. If I were to pick a team, if we were to pick a team, to go for a discussion about means of finance, please, definitely, you know, it goes through a lot of it. And we already have that team. And our focus know those who are leading that. This name that is putting out are not from my focus. Even inside, those that we met, apart from uh, what you call it, uh, the deputy majority leader, who is part of the meeting and probably is or who couldn't attend, all those that he brought for this particular discussion to de-escalate and make sure there's no violence in the chamber. They are not part of the team that are leading the discussion about the budget. So please, let's correct that and let's not misinform and discredit program in the various purposes. And I thought that I needed okay. to put this That's fine. Let me just help you in clarifying. So there is a committee you have set up, which is a, a joint committee to help de-escalate. There is a committee like that. Yes. Okay. Yes, but the, the, the violence. Okay. Then you also have another committee which includes members of your party who are not necessarily MPs, which is a committee that will be dealing with the Ministry of Finance on the challenges you have with the budget. Is that also correct? That's correct. But you do not have the. You are not going to put publicly the names that are on each committees. Yes, because you see. You are talking, and we don't want a situation where people will begin tagging people and, and, and calling their names. So on both sides, they were, I mean, I can tell you that on the other side, when we met, there are three people who were outside. In, in, which, we, in which one? Are you, okay, you're referring to the one yeah, to meet them. Discussing, the, discussing with the, the finance the ministry. Mm -hmm. on the, on the, on the, with the finance. They had three people who were out from outside. And we also had three people who were from outside parliament. And then the leadership. Some call key members of the leadership. But this one that he's talking about is the one for de-escalation. And obviously, when you are discussing the de-escalation, we are looking at the root cause. And we're saying that the, the, those who were discussing the issue with the finance and the budget should try and expedite action so that that one can have a ripple effect on the de-escalation. But what brought the de-escalation? It is because of the misunderstanding. Okay. Is this this meeting with the Ministry of Finance? Does it not prejudice what you are doing on the on the floor, trying to reject or approve the budget, or that's inconsequential? You see, I would not want to discuss anything that has to do with that because, like I told you, our 
I understand it is that until everything is agreed, nothing is agreed. Okay. So and we all agree that until everything is agreed, nobody is going to be talking about where, what we have done. Later, even uh, what we got two days or yesterday, the day for yesterday, when people were speaking to some portions of it, I saw that that was, I mean, that was that was not keeping faith with what we agreed because we said until everything is agreed, nothing is agreed. So if you don't agree on even one thing, it means that you don't have any agreement. So mm-hmm. let's not be talking about, oh, this has been agreed level with this one. No, we all agree that when we are done and uh, agreed on what we are going to do, we will jointly communicate to the public. And I want to beg that, look, we are at a crossroads. Now we all appreciate that we have a hand parliament. That is difficult. And we must all learn to know that no one side can just get his way easily. And to avoid anybody, any side thinking that I can just do it my way, let's try and have a structure that will probably permanently into the future deal with issues. So that you engage me early, I tell you the things that I can take, the things that I cannot take, so that we can find the middle ground. But if we are going to do the control politics, I'm afraid the de-escalations may be difficult because the numbers are so close that if it is a shout, it will be difficult for you to, to, to determine who is saying yes and who is saying no. If it's about a vote and one person is not there, it can lead to, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, tempers going high and all that. So we needed to find, and a lot of other civil society organizations and leaders are even stepping in. I don't want to put all those things up because as part of the discussion, we are not supposed to put those things up because a lot of effort has been made at the background to see whether we will be able to have something that will be, uh, what do you call it, uh, acceptable to both sides. Okay. So I want to say that trying to rush to the media to give information can jeopardize all the things that we are doing. Very well. Therefore, we need to be very careful. Thank you for speaking to us. That's Honorable Mohamed Muntaka Mubarak. He's a minority chief whip and MP for Aswase. Um, I know you can now tell us about what's happening at the Konfanochi Teaching Hospital. Right. Uh, management of the Konfanochi Teaching Hospital says it will cooperate with the Commission for Human Rights and Administrative Justice as it investigates allegations of misuse of COVID-19 funds at the facility. An account officer with the hospital, Awunia Cherba, has petitioned Shraj to investigate the chief executive officer and the medical director for allegedly misapplying COVID-19 funds. The petition alleges that the CEO, Dr. Hnebo Usidanso, and the medical director, Professor Bafokufi Upoku used funds meant to fight COVID-19 to purchase luxurious vehicles. Although management of the hospital has denied the claims, it says it is ready to assist Shraj to investigate the matter. Fred Ifayabwa is Director of Administration at the Konfonoshi Teaching Hospital. We are yet to receive a formal notification or invitation from uh, Shraj. Uh, we are aware uh, and as we have heard, heard from the media, that uh, a staff of this hospital has petitioned Shrag about uh, some allegations. We are yet to receive a formal notification or invitation from Shrag. But I must tell the public that this institution is so dear to the people of Ashanti and Ghana. Our responsibilities are enormous, and so a lot of people have interest in this hospital. And so management assures everyone that we are going to cooperate fully with Shrag to go to the bottom of this matter for the truth to come out because we need to infuse confidence 
in the management and administration of this hospital. The hospital has its internal processes, and so the petitioner who is a staff of this hospital had every opportunity, had every opportunity to use the internal processes. I'm the director of administration. I'm responsible for procurement. I'm responsible for transport. I don't recall this person coming before me. And, but I'm also one of the easiest and approachable. <laughs> I'm very, very approachable. And so, and I don't have record in my office that he's been there. So it means that uh, he had opportunity to use the internal processes, but well, he chose not to use it. But that also goes against our display record. Does that suggest he faces sanctions? Currently, he's, uh, the board has uh, referred him to the disciplinary committee. Fred Ifayabua is director of administration at the Komfanochi Teaching Hospital. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News and Eyewitness News brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Bobby Ose. Let's settle now for the details. The General Agricultural Workers Union, GAWU, is urging government to ensure there is enough fertilizer for the country's next major planting season. They further warned the government to put in place adequate measures to prevent the smuggling of the product. According to the Planting for Food and Jobs Secretariat of the Ministry of Food and Agriculture, Ghana lost a whopping 120 million Ghana cities to unaccounted for fertilizer, diversion of coupons and fertilizer smuggling in the 2017 and 2018 planting seasons. Now, subsequently, there were reported shortages of fertilizer nationwide. The Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana, for example, has warned of an imminent increase in food prices in the country due to rising prices of fertilizer worldwide. In an interview with City Business News ahead of the Farmers' Day celebration tomorrow, the General Secretary of the General Agricultural Workers' Union, Edward Karewe, said government must do all it can to avoid a repetition of these challenges in the upcoming planting season. Government will have to make the resources available, pay for the fertilizers even before the season. The next thing has to do with, you know, uh, fertilizer smuggling. The ministry indicated that uh, in 2021, so much fertilizer had been smuggled out, you know, and they were attributing it to new ways of smuggling, uh, whereby donkeys were carrying these fertilizers across the borders of our country, unaided by human beings, you know? And I think that uh, this is so serious in the sense that we cannot use hard-end currency to go and buy fertilizer because we don't produce fertilizer in Ghana. Import fertilizer at, with our foreign currency, subsidize it, and then allow it to be smuggled out. That indeed is sabotaging agricultural production and is sabotaging the, the planting for food and jobs. So they must assure us that they put in place adequate measures to ensure that fertilizer smuggling in the next season, that is in 2022, is brought to the barest level. And if that is done, then we can be sure that the fertilizer will get to the farmers. 
General Secretary of the General Agricultural Workers Union, Edward Carraway there. Now, a majority of businesses in the Greater Accra region believe they need critical interventions from government to improve the business environment in the coming months. According to the Institute of Economic Affairs 2021 Business Confidence Survey, 66% of businesses in the capital expect government to reduce taxes and charges to bring the business community or to stabilize business operations. Now, 33% want the macroeconomic environment stabilized, while 44% of businesses are asking for a reduction in the cost of credit to access financial support for their businesses. The following news desk report tells us more. The Institute of Economic Affairs 2021 Business Confidence Survey, conducted between July and September 2021, sampled 200 businesses in the Greater Accra region, but got responses from 157 of them, that's approximately 78.5% of the total number. The survey sought the views of business executives or owners on business performance, business environment, business constraints and desired policy interventions. The businesses sampled were largely engaged in retail and wholesale trade and were between the age bracket of 4 and 10 year old. According to the report, 43% of the businesses reported no change in performance during the last six months. Although 39% are expecting a better business performance in the next six months, almost 50% do not expect any change in performance in the coming months. The most important constraints facing businesses in the region are high utility charges, high government charges and taxes, and high rate of public corruption. In terms of critical interventions from government to improve the business environment, the IEA survey revealed that majority of the businesses called for a reduction in government taxes and charges as well as stabilize the macroeconomic environment. High cost of credit, which continues to be a problem for businesses, also came up in the report, with 44% of them asking for a reduction in the cost of credit to survive. Ellen Dapar filed that report. Moving on, tax consultant Dr. Alex Ampabeng says the government must begin prioritizing investing in measures to improve tax compliance to increase its revenue. Now, he argues that over the years, governments have focused on indirect taxation, which he believes does not yield maximum results in terms of inflows. Michael Obudu has more in the next report. The government has over the years not been able to meet its revenue targets due to several challenges, including its inability to tax majority of the populace. Already, there are reports that this is likely to occur this year. Local media has it that the Commissioner, Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority, GRA, Colonel Kwejo Damwa, says the authority is trailing in achieving the 2021 revenue target. However, the government, led by the Vice President, Dr. Mahamadou Baumia, is pushing a digitization drive to rope in especially the informal sector into the active taxpaying bracket. As part of efforts towards achieving this, the electronic transaction levy was introduced in the 2022 budget. Tax consultant Dr. Alexan Pabing says this digitization move is commendable and must be actively pursued. He further called on the government to consider introducing taxes in the country's e-commerce space arguing that the government was missing out on the huge volumes of transactions carried out on such platforms. Michael Agudufal, that report there. Now, President Kofado is calling for increased dialogue between Africans in the diaspora and their counterparts on the African continent to increase the quantum of investment into the various economies in Africa. 
According to Forbes, global remittances to sub-Saharan Africa grew by 10% to $46 billion in 2018, higher than the quantum of aid from the top 10 donor countries and institutions for the year under review. Now, in his address at the 45th Annual Legislative Conference of the National Black Caucus of State Legislatures in Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States of America, President Okufado noted that his government is working on the necessary legal provisions to attract more investments from Africans in the diaspora. The year of return held in 2019 has become the pivot around which engagements with the diaspora and African family and Ghana revol revolves. The follow-up project, Beyond the Return, seeks now to create opportunities across several sectors of the economy and provide a platform for sustained dialogue amongst people of African descent. Currently, we're creating platforms for adoption of legal frameworks in key sectors to drive diaspora engagements. This has culminated in the Homeland Return Bill on which we're currently working. The Homeland Return Bill recognizes Ghana's moral and spiritual obligation as an African nation to facilitate the return of diaspora Africans to Ghana and the motherland and to initiate the legal and regulatory processes for integrating them into Ghanaian society. That was President Kufado, and that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was sponsored by Vodafone, Together We Can, and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Bobby Osei. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. It's 40 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, we're talking about the increase in fuel prices and the reaction by drivers. While the budget is being debated, or 
while the debate is ongoing over whether or not to accept the budget, the fuel prices at the pumps are maintaining a steady rise. For the past two weeks, driver unions have been calling for a reduction. They had told their members to fly red cloth on their vehicles and tie red bands on their arms to register their protest against the increase in fuel prices. But it appears that has not been adhered to or listened to at least by the government. And the drivers are angry. We're told they are planning a demonstration, not a demonstration, a sit-down strike on Monday. What that means is that if you patronize Chotra from your house to work or to the market, and they say they even have taxis and Okada people as part of their union, you may have to start considering alternative means of transport. There will be no trotro on the road on Monday. At least that's what they're saying. GPRTU and all the other unions. There may not be an Okada if the Okada members are part of that union. There may be no taxi. And they even say that the ride-hailing services, Uber, Yango and the rest will not be on the streets as well. And this is simply because they want the government to knock off some 1 CD 50 pesos of the cost of a liter of fuel. We had scheduled an interview with them to explain further what they want to do. But we've been unsuccessful in reaching them. But while that is happening, there's a group called Justice for Ghana, Ghana Fest. It wants to go on a demonstration against the 2022 budget, whose fate is in a limbo now. It says it wants to embark on a demonstration titled Yen Tumi Ahutre, or Yen Tumi Ahutre. It wrote a letter to the regional command, Ghana Police Service. It says, We of Justice for Ghana wish to notify you of a coming demonstration dubbed Yen Tumi Ahutre. The demonstration is in um, response to the general harsh economic environment, which is exacerbated by the 2022 budget statement and economic policy. A demonstration will start on December 8, 2021. A route for the event is from Kwame Nkrumah Circle through Adabaraka Kingsway High Street, Kwame Nkrumah Memorial Park, Rex Cinema, 
National Theatre Liberation Roundabout International Conference Centre and Parliament. At Parliament, we shall present a petition to the Speaker and Leadership of the House. We shall then continue to occupy the forecourt of Parliament House until Government withdraws the 2022 budget and a new budget submitted without the e-levy and other Medros policies therein. Counting on your usual cooperation, signed Bernard Mona, convener. So let's speak to Bernard Mona. He's a former chairman of the People's National Convention. Mr. Mona, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. This is a little late, isn't it? Uh, those who are demonstrating, we already saw them. Uh, the, the, the fix the country people, the uh, comrades um, that I'm referring to Ernesto Yeboah's group, economic fighters, they were in parliament. They went to present their petition. Why is yours happening next week when the budget has already been presented? And if we should go by what the majority side has done, that budget has already been approved. Well, as you know, colonization was already installed on the people of the Gold Coast. It took resistance to reverse colonization for us to have our independence. You are not saying that when obnoxious laws and policies are put in place, the fact that they have been put, it means that citizens are stopped from um, protesting or revolting against such policies. We have right to demonstrate. We have indicated our abhorrence about the harsh economic environment that we find ourselves in. We have indicated that illegal is already a confrontation on capital. It's not on capital gain. We have indicated that e-levy will stifle the growth and emergence of entrepreneurs. We have indicated that e-levy will go a long way to further impoverish the already poor and um, downtrodden in society. And so, therefore, we have now even seen the magnitude of burden that e-levy will bring onto the people of Ghana. And this is the time we want to act. In acting, we have decided to involve everybody. We have involved and we are in consultation and in talks and in agreement with the Economic Fighters League of Ghana. We are in talks with the Fix the Country movement who are currently in Oboasi to stage the protest tomorrow. And so when they come, this is going to be a concerted effort. In doing so, and in occupying the forecourt of parliament, we shall be having guest speakers and people who will come and speak to those of us who will be there in perpetuity to speak to us. We will have people who will come and offer us uh, words of artistic performances. We will have musicians and other persons coming to talk to us. And I will not be surprised that given your level of knowledge that the group may decide to invite you to come and speak at one of the sessions. So you're going to be at the forecourt of parliament and, uh, you know, occupying the place. Parliament, and... parliament is the representation of the people, and we are the people. And so we want to be closer to our representatives so that they can understand the enormity of this tax. We could have actually said that we are going to do demonstration every day so that from the eve till such a time that parliament um, reconsiders or government redraws the budget, and brings in a sanitized budget. In the 1981 budget, it was redrawn, and the taxes that were considered unpalatable were redrawn from the budget statement, two of them. And so it is not out of place that the citizens, that the government of Ghana think that they want to impose taxes to seek our, uh, our solace. We are saying that those taxes are not needed. 
we have every opportunity to downsize our government expenditure. We can block the issues of corruption in this country. And I remember when the vice president said that those who are saying that there's no money in the country, if you start stealing the money, there will be money for development. Those in government today should stop stealing the money and avail the money for the development of our nation. If the budget is, uh, well, the budget has already been approved, so you want the budget to be withdrawn or at least those elements removed. Have you had discussions with the minority side and how are you going to explain to people we who think, think that, that they are together in mm. this parliament and do, so far it appears that our minority and majority are the same side it is one time they are in majority in the next time they are in the majority that has been the, the trend and so they are comfortable with the kind of game they play in parliament they stage the boycott uh, or, or, or in a bo in a workout and all of that, that it is we think that is our best charade because what we are hearing is that they are region region compromises on a 1% introduction of e-levy. This is, it, this is disgusting, to say the least, that our members of parliament can go and sit down and want to cocoon us with this kind of uh, a story that does not sit. The people of Ghana are already frustrated. Umar Sander, let me give you this example. If I have 1 million cities to go and do a business, and then I have to do electronic transaction, I will pay about 17500 right? So if I have to move from here to Kumasi, probably I will just take a flight, carry my one million, and go and do my transactions. And then I will come back, and I will save much more than if I were to sit in Accra and do electronic transactions. Where have you ever seen that? Number two, if I decide that we are going to say shop right, and I'm going to buy, we are going to buy maybe um, a pair of sandals, and I carry cash, and you decide that you want to contribute to a cashless society. When I am paying for the standard, say, at 200 Ghana cities, you who decide to pay by electronic transaction will be paying more than 200 Ghana cities. How is that a promotion of a healthy, uh, digitized, and then um, a, a cashless society? So, I've been issue. You see that this is a confrontation on people's ability to, to spend. Those you claim they are poor, it is those who are rich that will be able to support them to show compassion. Now, the people who are supposed to show compassion are being punished for wanting to assist the poor in society because government has failed in its responsibility to attend to the poor people in our society. This certainly will tell you that this is the most regressive tax ever emerging in the history and annals of world affairs. And so all of us, and as I told the police this evening, um, this afternoon, the police, you do transfers to your, your, your wards in schools. You do transfers to your wives and other family members and relatives. Don't think that you will not be affected if this is passed. And because they are in uniform, you can say, see that they are even more going to be affected because one of the commanders said that, look, even today he had to do some transactions uh, via electronic means. And that means that all of us are going to be affected. So this is a policy that every Ghanaian, irrespective of political party, irrespective of um, um, a profession, irrespective of whether you are rich or poor, you are going to be affected harshly by this policy. Very well. Do you have clearance from the police for next week? Well, we don't need that which you call clearance. We need to notify the police. We have notified them adequately. They invited us. Indeed, last night, they called me around 10 p.m. to tell me that they wanted a meeting with our leadership today. 
um, our colleagues in Esto Yabua and me are currently in Obuasi, but they gave us the um, permission to go and interact with the police. We have agreed to the shortening of the route, as the police have suggested. We have told them that we are going to occupy Parliament, and so we have done our part of the bargain. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. Thank you. That's Bernard Mona. He's a former chairman of the People's National Convention. Has been a parliamentary aspirant, but for tonight's conversation, he's leading a group known as Justice for Ghana, and it is planning to go on a demonstration against the 2022 budget and also occupy the House of Parliament. <laughs> My name is Umaru Sandamodo. This has been Eyewitness News, produced by Sixtus Dong Ulo with support from Beverly London and Anasido. The technical support came through from Daniel Squashi. Eyewitness News will be back um, on your airwaves. But we have more programs coming your way. There's City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM. And Twitter at City 973.